Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. First Corinthians chapter number 12, we're going to start reading in verse number 12. It says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but what? Many, many parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, this is, if, if only we could see Paul, if we had the audio book and Paul was reading what he wrote, I think his voice would sound great right here because I sense a lot of sarcasm in this. So now if the foot should say, or, or whining maybe, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be on Thanksgiving morning? Mm, that'll preach, unless your house don't smell like my house on Thanksgiving morning. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, who placed them? God placed them. How, which ones? Every one of them in the body, just as he wanted them to be. So God put Every part exactly where he wanted that part to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that, that think that they're less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special mod modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no divisions in the body, but that, it, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So when it's talking about all these many parts, it's talking about you. 
individually and collectively, every member, every body has many parts. And he's talking about the body of Christ, which is you. Everybody say, I am the body of Christ. That's you. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just guide uh, this service, Father, that your, your, your presence will continue to manifest as we, as we lift you up, as we called upon your name. Continue to manifest as we, as we lift you up, as we called upon your name. God, I pray right now that this morning our eyes will be open to who we are, not just who we are uh, in our own sense, in our own family, but who we are in Christ and who we are in this body. What part we play in the body of Christ. And so, Father, we just give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout out, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. These are some really great words, some important words uh, that gives us some insight to what the church is supposed to look like. This is what the church is supposed to be. Paul is describing, he's trying to give, uh, now this is in the early church. Now, we that have been cultured in this, we kind of get a sense of what this is talking about. But back then, he's trying to really give them purpose and direction that, that this is the body of Christ. Now, we could preach a whole sermon series easily just on the passage that I just read. But Paul, Paul points out that if you're a believer, then you should know that there are many parts and that each one of us have various functions, right? How many of you would consider yourself a believer this morning? So if you are a believer, you have a specific part to play. You have a specific role that you're supposed to play. And it's not about just work, but sometimes your role is just connecting or being an extension to the next person so that they can do the labor. Did you know that? Sometimes we're just supposed to be connected just to be connected. Does that make sense to you that sometimes maybe it's not about the role or talent that we have, but maybe it's about being connected to the specific talent that's supposed to do the specific work? But each one of us are connected. But what's important to recognize here is the bigger issue that we can't miss. As Christians, as believers, as members of the body of Christ, we are, number one, to be connected to the rest of the body. Okay, we are to be connected to the rest of the body. Now, the main point that, that Paul's trying to get across here, and I just deleted something, but the main point that Paul's trying to get across here is that we as Christians, we all have functions that we're to perform. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are elbows, some of us are ears, some of us are knees, some of us are other parts of the body, little behinds. Mm, shout me down. See, I didn't use the King James version of that. But we all have different parts. We all have different talents. Some of you could get up here and you could speak and you could teach because that's a gift that God gave you. But you couldn't sing if your life depended on it. Can anybody relate with that? Am I getting stepping on some toes? I mean, you like to sing, but it is just a noise, not even a joyful noise. It's just noise, and, and you do it, and that's what, and to God, it's joyful. Maybe to your neighbor, not so much, but it's just you worship and you sing, but that's maybe not your gift. Or maybe you can sing like the angels, just beautiful. You can sing like the angels, just beautiful. But every time you cook, mm. 
It gives you nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Right? Because it's just rough. It's bad. It's bad. Some of you are great leaders, but you're slobs. You have no organization. Your, your office is a mess, and mine's shut and locked. So don't even. And, and, and you need people to come in behind you and clean up. But the point is, Paul's saying that we in the body of Christ, we each have specific talents, we each have very specific abilities, and we each have very specific measures of grace, but we all need each other. Without each other, we're very limited. Amen? Like the band, for example. I used this a couple years ago, too. Rigo is one of my favorite people in the world. This cat is sick. Nasty on the drums, okay? Now, I would like to be, I'm, I, I'm a drummer, kind of, but when I sit here and, I, and worship and I watch Rigo drum, it makes me never want to drum again in my life, okay? So, Rigo, show us a little bit. So, so imagine, as awesome as Rigo is, if we came in every Sunday morning and there was no band here and we just had the drums set up in the middle of the stage... And we came in and we said, all right, let's stand and worship. Okay? Some of you, I mean, some of you could do it for a minute, you know. Yeah. And then we try to get into the, now this is the praise part, right? And, and Rigo keeps playing like this, and all of a sudden we're trying to worship. And, and we're like, okay, the drums just keeps going. I mean, he's good, but I mean, there's something missing, right? But if we came in here one Sunday morning and it wasn't just Rigo, but maybe Rigo and Jay. Oh. See, all of a sudden that takes some of you back to high school when you had the subs in the trunk of your car. <laughs> uh huh. And, and your goal was to get everybody, when you pull up, to see how many people turned to look, see where that was coming from. I used to be that guy. I had subs and I, and I vibrated the rear view mirror off my car so many times. And I pull up, and you see people looking around, see where that's coming from. And, and I didn't want to do it, but I'd be like rolling down my windows a little bit and be like, that's coming from me. I'm the man. I like bass, right? But even with these two, that's awesome. But there's something still missing. And so we would need to add another piece to our worship as we came in on Sunday morning. Oh, see, now all of a sudden it's starting to sound familiar. There's like, it's taking shape. Now, Rigo was great by himself, but you add these pieces in there, and it starts to take shape. And then all of a sudden you got Mario on the keys, and Mario, he can tickle the ivory. Oh, he's just, he's being modest now. And, and worship would be different, right? Because each one of them have this incredible gift and incredible talent. But when you put them together, it complements each other. And it serves a purpose that's so much bigger. Let's go. Let's see what you guys got. a little bit. Now, those of us that were jumping, if our eyes are closed and Rigo stops playing, we stop jumping. Because something changed. 
the atmosphere changed. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, the bass stops. You're like, oh, something happened. Somebody unplugged the subs. Something's happened. It's all tinny. It's all tinny. And then Eddie stops playing. You're like, oh, where'd that go? Where'd that solo go? And just slowly, things start to change. Things start to change. Does that make sense? In the body of Christ, though we all have separate roles, each role is important together. Amen? Come on, give these guys a big hand. Staying up here and helping me for a second. John Dunn said, no man is an island. No man is an island. That means that we were all meant to be supportive and be supported. Okay? We all play a specific role. We're meant, none of us were meant to be individuals. And we live in a society where individualism is cherished. But that's the dangerous thing about our culture because we in and of ourselves, we're not ever meant to be on our own. None of you, as, as much as we would like to think this is not true, but none of you are the total package. Now, my wife would argue all day with you about me. But, but the point is, is that none of us have the total package when it comes to the kingdom of God. Okay? In the kingdom of God, none of you are already all there. Okay? You can only be that with the people right across the aisle from you the people right in front of you, the people right behind you. We all need people that will encourage us. We all need people that will teach us. We all need people that will lie. We need people that will discipline us when we're out of line. We need people that will check on us, people that will keep us in check. See, Paul, in Paul's idea, he says, you might be an eye, but an eye is a great thing to be. But if you're an eye and you don't have feet or you don't have a body, you're going to have a pretty lame point of view. Right? you just be an eye sitting in the yard. Wouldn't that be awkward? Just be an eye sitting in the yard? Now, being an eye is cool, especially if you're thumb. You're like, man, I wish I was an eye. And then the eye's like, yeah, but without this body, it's pretty lame. I see just a blade of grass right in front of me. That's it. So we need one another. I, in my ministry, all, I've been in ministry now since I was 18, and I'm older. And so I think about all the people I've met who uh, get out of church for whatever reason, and they become freelance Christians. Not people who get out of church and are mad at God, but people who get out of church and they become freelance Christians. Y'all know any of those people who who they, they went to church and they were involved, active in church, and then for some reason they got offended or they got upset or they just, it wasn't done their way. Uh, as a pastor, I've heard this for years and years and years, especially when I was an assistant pastor. Uh, when I was an executive pastor, I would hear people telling me how I should tell the pastor how the church should be. 
You know, hey, well, you're the executive pastor. You need to tell pastor this. Or, hey, you need to do this. Or, hey, you know what we need is we need to do it. Everybody thinks that they've got it all together. And so those people tend to kind of get offended eventually, and they leave, and they become freelance Christians. So they don't really have a body. But you, you talk to them, and they say, man, I love God. I'm just out here serving the Lord, doing the work of the Lord, just whatever. Well, what church you go to? I don't, man, I don't have a church because, man, churches, all they want is your money. They're corrupt, they're this, they're that. And they don't have a body and they're not connected. It's just this freelance uh, leg walking around with no body at all. And Paul, the idea of freelance Christianity would have been strange. It wouldn't have made any sense at all because we, when we accept the Lord, we become a part of a body, a bigger body than ourselves, and we have a function that we're to perform, and we are to connect to the rest of the body. So when you become a believer, our job as believers is to become connected to the rest of the body. The hands serve the feet, and the feet serve the hands, and the eyes serve both. But the hands and the feet, they're limited without the eyes. Without connection, we're just a bodiless limb. How many of you live in a neighborhood with a bodiless arm? Right? Down the street, you got just an arm that lives a couple houses down. Nobody? That would be weird, right? You have this arm crawling out every morning, going and filling for the newspaper. And you open up your door and you yell out, you can't read it anyway. Right? Wouldn't that be awkward? Have you ever been at the grocery store and you saw a foot just kind of pop by and looking for nail polish? No, that's weird. Unless you're watching the Adams Family. And you got Thing, because that's, you know, never mind. If you haven't seen it, then where have you been? The Adams Family. But Paul wants us to realize when he's using a metaphor about the body of Christ that we need each other to get by. He's emphasizing this as, as clearly as he can that we need the help and encouragement that only comes from other believers in the same body. That only comes from other people within the same body. And he's challenging us to be a part of a larger group. We need people to, to lead us and guide us. And there's people in this church right now, other body parts that need you and the gift that God has given you to input things into their life. That's what's great about being a part of the body, being a part of the body of Christ. When I think back over the 30 plus years of my life, I can't imagine what it would have been like without the body of Christ. Now, I was, I was born and raised in church, so I grew up in this, I grew up in this culture when I was a little kid and, and I wanted to miss church. You know, there was just zero missing church. That was never an option. Um, but I'm so sick. <coughs> no, we'll, we'll come to church. We'll pray for you. God's going to heal you. And, and uh, uh, back in when, the, when I was a little kid, I remember we did a series on uh, these movies. They were scary. They were like horror films to me back in the day, but they were movies on the end times and the rapture. Have you, have you ever heard of uh, Image of the Beast and A Distant Thunder and Prodigal Planet and all those movies? Well, we would do those movies as series back in the day, and these movies are about the rapture and then about the tribulation and the mark of the beast and all these scary things, and I would go and hide in the nursery because it, it wasn't for kids, but we, didn't, we weren't in a big church, 
And I would hide in the nursery, and I would peek through the nursery window watching this movie. And I would literally have nightmares about this movie, about the end times. And, and you know, I would have plans. I mean, I'm, I remember being in the third grade and having plans for if God came back right now, and for some reason I missed it, because that what my plan wasn't to make it. My plan was if I missed it, you know, that's how scary it was. How would I survive? How would I survive? And, and so I wasn't ever, the, missing church was never an option to me. Everything in my life that we did involved church. Church people, all of our friends, all of my friends. We went and had, when I would go spend the night at people's house, they were people from our church. When people came over, there were people. We did life together. That's how it was, life together. And for me, in a lot of ways, that's still how it is. I do life with people that, that have the same common interests that I do, people that have the same kind of goals and, 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 and hopes in their life that I do. I thank God that I never really had to do life alone because when I was at my lowest, the body was always there. When I had, pe- when I had loss in my family and people, family members passed away and and we're at the funeral. You would see church people just show. My, my grandmother passed away this last year. And uh, the funeral was in Amarillo, Texas. And my dad is a pastor in Nakona, Texas. And, and it's probably four hours uh, from Nakona to Amarillo. And we're standing at the funeral outside. We're at the graveside outside. And it is freezing cold. I mean, it's like just the wind is just blistering it is just so cold and all these people come walking up from my dad's church in Nakona a long ways off way four hours away these people just and it just melted my dad's heart he just it was so uh powerful to see I mean it was like he just got this shot of power and energy because his body was there to support him He's burying his mom, and his family walks in. His church family, the body of Christ, walks in, and it empowered him. I thank God that he didn't save me and leave me to just fend for myself and figure out life on my own. But he saved me and connected me with a body of believers that none are exactly like me, but we all have the same common goal. Have you seen the video of uh, the guy who was colorblind? Uh, it, was, it went viral a couple years ago. I think I've showed, showed that video before in a message, but there's this guy who was colorblind and had been colorblind his whole life. And uh, I don't know if that's something like if you can get colorblind after or if you're born, I don't know. But anyway, he's colorblind his whole life. And uh, they... they came up with those glasses that could help people that are colorblind. And so they call him. They're like, hey, Dad, come outside, come outside. And he comes outside. And he's like, what's going on? And they're videoing him. And they're like, Dad, we got something for you. We want you to try something. And he goes, all right, what's going on? And they pull out these glasses. What are those? I don't need glasses. And they're like, well, just try them on. We want to show you something. And he puts on these glasses. And when you're, if you're watching this video, man, you can't help but cry. And I'm kind of a sucker anyways. I, I'm a big tear titty baby so I just start you know my eyes start watering it's like I got allergies and uh, allergies just getting to me and and you see this guy puts on these glasses and when he does he just freezes and all of a sudden he freezes and all of a sudden 
he starts looking around, and you hear him go, He sees trees, the color, for the first time. And he sees the sky. And he's looking around. And he's looking at everybody. And he just starts crying. Everybody, all the family just starts sobbing. For the first time, he saw what he was missing. See, I think that there's a lot of Christians who come in and they get saved because they have this fear of going to hell or whatever. And they they make these, or they have this guilt, whatever, and they make these decisions, and then they become Christians. They're saved. They have a promise of eternity, but, but they have no idea what they're missing if they're not connected to the body. And if they ever get connected to the body, they can realize the kind of empowerment that comes with being connected to the... Paul. That's what Paul's addressing in this opening passage, what it means to be connected to the body. You understand what you're missing. There's a story, Shelly and I watched this, I think, on uh, like 60 Minutes, they did a story of a girl who, since the age of like four, ate French fries, McDonald's French fries her whole life. She's never eaten anything but McDonald's French fries. Every meal, snack, all day long, that's all she eats is McDonald's French fries. She was now like 28 or 29 years old, so she's an adult now. And, st- and they're doing these interviews. They did all these uh, physicals and tests on her to see if, like, she's just one big greased artery or whatever. And, sh- and she was okay. Uh, they were saying, this can't be healthy. And she was surviving. But what really got to me was just the fact that that's all she's ever experienced is French fries. I love French fries. Don't get me wrong. I mean... I do love french fries, but to have not experienced a ribeye, or or let's stay in McDonald's, the McRib, I mean, really, to have not ever experienced anything but french fries breaks my heart, not that she survived and she's made it, but that she has no idea what she's missing out on. She has no idea what life is like. The New Testament shows how God values relationships. First, he created the church. And people who follow him are gathered into groups and referred to as family or body or other relational metaphors. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, it isn't the only place where Paul uses the metaphor of the body of Christ to describe the church. It's also used in his letter to Ephesians. It's also used in Colossians. And he goes into extended discussion of the body as it's related to the head. Because as Christians, we're, we don't need to just be connected to the rest of the body. But we also need to be responsive to the head. Okay? So it's not just about being connected to the body, but it's about being responsive to the head. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says... The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him 
all things hold together. He is the what? Head of the body, which is what? The church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him he reconciled. Now listen, this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. If you study this out, what this truly means, because it says God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself. To reconcile. To, that's what he did through the cross. Through the death, burial, and resurrection. He reconciled all things to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, through his blood shed on the cross. See, when he came down to this earth. When God sent his only son to this planet. It was to reconcile, to fix the things that were broken to give completeness and wholeness to the body of Christ. And he reconciled all things. Okay? When you reconcile, you fix. Okay? You repair. You, you put back together. He reconciled all things to him. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all things, through and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given just as Christ apportioned it. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. So he's saying that, that there, we serve one God. There's one God, one spirit. We all serve that same. We serve one God. There's one God, one spirit. We all serve that same. And he says, now, to each one of you, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. To each and every single person in this room, you have been given a very specific measure of grace as God saw fit because God put you where he wanted you in the body of Christ. So we're all one body, and we read in 1 Corinthians earlier that God, he took all those body parts, those members, and he placed them in very specific places in the body, and he gave them very specific talents. My thumb cannot sing. It just can't. No matter how much I try to. So my thumb was put on my body to, to play a very specific role. And you could look at the thumb and go, well, that's not a real important role unless you're hitchhiking. But the thumb, have you ever tried to button your pants with a broken thumb? I've broken every finger on my body. I used to play football, and, and that just happened. You get them caught between helmets, and, and the thumb was the hardest. Because when your thumb is broken, oh, it just drives you crazy. It's like having a, a, a hurt toe or something. Whenever you have a hurt toe, you hit it on everything. Have you ever noticed that? If you have, like, if your big toe is broken or bruised, you have an ingrown toenail or something like that, you hit it on everything. 
And it's really not the fact that you hit it on everything. It's just it always is hitting everything because it's that important. But now that it hurts, you notice how important it is. He goes on in verse number 11. He says, so Christ himself gave, so this is a gift he gives to the body. He says he gave apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. For what? To equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So he gave these gifts so that the saints can be equipped so that we can all grow and mature so we can live in the fullness that Christ has called us to. And then it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth to and fro with every wave uh, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning of craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the what? Head. That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, Paul is trying to paint a picture, and he does it in several books in the New Testament. He's trying to paint a picture that the church is the body of Christ. The head of that body is Christ himself. So he's not talking about this role that we play and just being connected to one another, but he's talking about the role we play by having the common goal of following the head, which is Christ, that we're responsive to the head of the body. To be a Christian, you have to be under the headship of Christ. That's the way we were designed. That's the way God intended it. You can't love the church without loving the body. You can't love God without loving the church. You can't love God without loving the body of Christ. A person is not a Christian based on the nation that they're born into or the family that they grew up in or whatever. A person becomes a Christian when they accept the fact that Jesus died for them, that he paid a ransom for them. That's, that's what happened. So coming to church doesn't make us believers. Coming to church doesn't make you the body of Christ until you accept your role as a believer. Just like sitting in a car doesn't, I mean, sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? That's just not the way it works. If a, if a cat has kittens in an oven, it doesn't make them cookies, okay? They're still kittens. So, it, so we all become Christians based on our relationship with the head, the, the, the believing the fact that Jesus has redeemed us, believing that it's not something that we do based on our works or that we earn salvation, but it's a free gift that he's given us. And as a part of the body, we're all submitted to that head, just as my physical body is submitted to my mind. Okay? There's, when, when I do this, it's not just a random arm that's doing this, but there's something coming from up here 
that's going through all the members of my body that's controlling my hand and telling my hand to clench. Okay? And, and in the same way, that's the way we are in the spirit and in the body of Christ is that everything we do needs to come from the head. As a church, we have to learn what it means to be connected to one another and then be connected to the head, the, the, the head, the body. Christ has called us all to do great, great things, but it's up to us to step into those Jesus, he did some pretty powerful things. He gave us some awesome examples. He served, he healed, he comforted the afflicted, he afflicted the comfortable. That's what Jesus did. Jesus did all these great things. He went and he taught these powerful sermons. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He just did all these things. And every, almost everything, example in the Bible that you see, that you saw Jesus do something great and something powerful, you also saw that there was a community around him. There was a group of people called the disciples that they were connected to Jesus. Man, they were connected. Everywhere he went, they went. They watched him do some amazing things. They were like family. They laughed together, they loved, they played, they fought, they cried, they tattled. Y'all have any tattletales at your house? I've got a couple of them if you need one. They, they tattled on each other. They were this close group. They were like family. They all came from different walks of life, but they all stepped out of, of their comfort zone and they began to follow the single head of this body. See, the body is not an organization that strives to bring people together. The body is a living organization that works to serve the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ. We are connected to one another by our love for Christ first and foremost. And then Jesus, right before he leaves, see, he, the the the. Sadducees and Pharisees, all these religious people, they're trying to trap Jesus one day, and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest law? You know, we have all these laws, 613 plus laws, and there's even laws on top of that. So what's the greatest of the laws? And Jesus, he says, well, first, it's, it's love God with all your heart, mind, soul. And the second one is, is just as equal to that one, and it's uh, love your neighbor. Love God, love people. That's the two laws. And then Jesus, later on, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, you know what? A new command I give you. I'm going to give you a new command because up to this point, he said all the laws. Uh, there's a powerful book that I have in my office, and it's called The Greatest Thing is Love. And the author says in this that the Ten Commandments are irrelevant uh, in the New Testament when we get, when we understand love. Because the Ten Commandments, they don't, they're not necessary when we understand love. Okay, Love is Christ, God is love. And when we get that, then the Ten Commandments are just a bunch of rules. But when we understand love, they're not necessary. So Jesus, he sums up all these laws into two. And then right before he leaves and he ascends into heaven, this is after he's died and buried and risen again, he's talking to his disciples and he says, you know what, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I love you. And, and, and people, everyone will know you're a part of me because of what? Your love for who? 
one another. That's, that's the last and only command that he gave us when he's leaving. That's the last thing he says. Everything was summed up into two, and then that two, he brought it down to one. And he says, listen, I want my body, I need the church, the believers, to know this one thing. You love one another. When you love one another, people will recognize that you're one of mine. That you're one of mine. Now, I had a stand up here, so I put my mic stand up, I guess, to clean up. But, uh, so I'm going to hold my mic. But how many of you have Legos? Anybody? Nobody has kids? Awesome. So I'm the only person in here who has kids? How many of you have ever heard of Legos? Okay. Legos are these things that were created for children. I love Legos. I've always liked Legos. And man, Legos have come a long way from when I was a kid. When I was a kid, Legos were, you just kind of stack them. And uh, nowadays, Legos are awesome. But Lego bricks illustrate the important principle that we are made for connection because Legos were made for connection. In a typical, in a normal Lego set, every Lego, every piece in the set was made for one reason. To connect. There's not one piece in a Lego set that was ever made to stand alone. That's not what it's for. They're made to connect. And with the social media explosion, it shows just how much people want to connect. But in reality, we're less socially connected than ever before. I'll give you an example. At one of my previous churches, there was a lady. And this is it's funny, really funny. Um, if you looked on my Facebook and I posted something on Facebook, she would comment on what I posted, two or three comments. If you went to Shelly's Facebook and you just looked at her latest post, there would be two or three comments. If you went to Shelby's Facebook and looked at her post, there would be a comment or two from the same lady. And then if you got on and you looked at Jennifer's Facebook, the same lady would have commented, once or twice. You go to Jay. What I'm saying is, as you're scrolling through, this one person would have commented on every person that you know. And you're like, wow. Then, and this, I'm, this is a true story. I am not exaggerating, not making this up. I would go to church and I would see this person. I'd go, hey, how are you? And she would go. And she would sit down. She wouldn't talk. And I'm like, on my Facebook, you were like joking me about my shoes or about I said something. And she would say the funniest things and witty and just all kinds of stuff. She would make fun of you. And you've, none of you have ever talked to her. And she's commented on all of your stuff. And then when you talk to her face to face, she shuts down. And I am not lying. Shelly knows who I'm talking about. And this person would just shut down. And I would, I would try so hard to, like, befriend her in person because I felt we had this connection on Facebook, but I found out our connection was only Facebook. It could not go outside of Facebook. And so it shows that deep down we really have a desire 
to be connected. We want to be connected. It's built in us to connect. But sometimes it's difficult. And Legos give us a lot of examples of that. Legos come in all shapes and sizes and colors and variety. But what they all have in common is that they're all made to connect to one another. Early Legos were just made to stack. But the ability to connect was a revolutionary change that set them apart from simple building blocks. Not all Legos are equal in capacity, but they're all made to connect. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm at night. Oh, do I know that. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, work is more successful when... It's shared with people. Life is safer when you have someone in your corner, when you have someone to defend you and pick you up. You look at the story of David and Goliath. Goliath is standing out and he's taunting the Israelites and he's saying, send me out a man. Send me out a man. Come on. Are you cowards? Anybody. Send me out a man. Notice what he's saying. Send me out a man. He never once said, Bring on the army. Come on, where are you at? He was looking for one because the enemy knew if he could isolate you and get you alone, he had a pretty good chance of defeating just one. And so that's what he does is he wants to isolate you and get you alone. But in the body of Christ, the enemy can't can't defeat you anyway. But when you're alone, you don't have that person in your corner going, no, you got this. You got this. You're stronger than that. You're better than that. You're greater than that. Greater is he who is in you than he that's in this world. We need connectedness in our lives. We're better. We change the world when we're connected. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You can see all kinds of Uh, relational connections taking place in this verse. But notice the resulting impact. Many people were brought to the saving, transforming faith in Jesus when they came together and they were a body of believers. The rest of Acts shows how important this group of people changed the world. Acts shows how important this group of people changed the world. 18 times it's recorded in Acts. 18 times there's statements of growth and impact when the body came together. See, we are to manifest, continue manifesting what Acts left off for us. We are that New Testament church. Acts 6, 7 says God's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. 
History shows that the church continued to grow in the world. When Jesus departed, he left 120 followers. There were thousands by the end of the century and more than 1.25 million by the end of the next century. As Christianity spread, slavery and infecticide eventually ended the Roman, in, in the Roman Empire. Christians have been united to impact the world ever since and still are today. But we're called to be connected. Parker had a... Uh, I'm not Parker, Peyton, had a book fair at school. I love book fairs. And so we go in, and Mimi and Papa go with us, and we're, it, when Daddy's going in to buy books, we, we, try, we stay in the dollar section. And when Mimi and Papa go in to buy books, they go and say, get anything you want. So we start looking for the more expensive books. And uh, so they're going around, and they're looking for books, and Parker finds this book. And it's, you can build 11 different machines with this book. I don't know who put my mic stand up. Somebody stole it. But in this book, you can build a dragon. See that dragon? Pretty awesome. In this book, you can build a claw. Who doesn't want a claw? Right? I mean, look. That's it. That's all the pieces right there. With these pieces right here, just these pieces, you can build a dragon, you can build a claw, check out that claw, and, and trust me, it works. Me and, me and Parker did, you can build a catapult for paper, you just wad up paper and you can shoot the catapult. You know what else you can build? You can build a car that has a blade on it that knocks down things. As it drives, because it has all these gears. I'm telling you, this is a powerful power. All these, all these Legos were made to connect, to connect to one another. And each one of them is a different shape and different size, and they all play different roles. But with just this small amount of Legos, you can create anything. You can create so many things. And Legos, when they started, they looked like this when, when they started doing the connection thing. And did you know you could take six bricks, and these are called Lego bricks. These are standard Lego bricks. They're two by four. You could take six of these Lego bricks, and they tried to figure out how many different combinations there were to stack them. You could stack them any way you wanted. You could... You know, you could do them like that. You could turn them. And so they started doing the math, and it took them a while to do the math. And they came up with a number. Mathematicians came up with a number, and the number was 102,981,500 different combinations with six. Six. Well, there's a guy. His name's Elzer, and he goes and... He's looking at this. They have this display set up, and they have these numbers on there that these mathematicians came up. And this guy obviously is a brilliant scientist, mathematician. He's looking at this and he's looking at that number, and he goes, that's impossible. That number is way too low. So he went back, and he started studying and writing some algorithms, and he started 
writing a program, and he wrote a program that would figure out exactly the amount of combinations you could have because he says in the stacking, they weren't building bases, so they weren't using the options of building out. They were just building up. He said, if you build out, there's so many other things you could do with just six. So he wrote this program, and the program took just over a week to run the numbers. And it finally came up with the number 915,103,765 combinations with six Lego bricks. Can you believe that? Isn't that unreal? How many different combinations you could do with six Lego bricks? I mean, I thought a million was a lot. I mean, I thought a million was just crazy, but 915 million? It's ridiculous. And the point is, is that that it took a computer program to write these combinations, but no Lego can be any more than when it's put together with other Legos. See, this Lego, no combinations. You add one, it's a lot. In fact, in this study, and I didn't print the whole article, I thought about reading the whole article, but he goes on, they said, if you add one more Lego to this, it takes the computer three weeks to run the numbers. If you add two more Legos and and you have a total of eight, it takes up to three to six months to run the numbers. So they put in 25 just regular Legos, 25 bricks, and they couldn't complete. It takes years and years and years for the computer program to figure out the amount of combinations you can do. Ridiculous. What's even more crazy is that the body of Christ can do the same thing. I'm going to ask the band to come this morning. As the body of Christ, we have the same ability to be great, to be incredible, to do unique things, to reach like never reached before. But unless we're connected, there's really nothing that we can do. There's no power in us. There's no uniqueness in us. There's no uh, uh, accomplishments that can be set before us when we're alone. But when we begin to connect, there's something powerful that happens. I went, I went out to lunch a few months ago. This has happened to Shelly and I several times. And uh, I'm not going to embarrass anybody because some of them I know are in this room. One time, and there's several, four or five different couples. I went out to lunch with one couple one time. They said, we were just talking. I was just trying to get to know them. They're kind of new to our church, been coming for a few months. And so I said, hey, I want to get to know you a little bit. We just started talking. They said, man, we love the church. Oh, we just do. We love the church. Worship is awesome. You're okay. (laughs) They didn't say that, but they said, we just love the church. They were like, but the thing is, is we don't know anybody. Come in and we sit by ourselves and we leave. One couple said this. They said, we've thought about staying after church and just standing there for a little while and see if maybe we could meet somebody. But does it sound familiar? 
you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how, several of you have thought this. Several of you have said this. There's another couple in our church. They said, yeah, we came. Shelly and I were at their house, and we were talking to them. And they said, we came to church, and we are like, this is it. They said, the first service. And th- several people said this to us. They said, the very first moment, that we, the very first service we were in, we looked at each other, and we were like, this is it. This is our church. This is where we're supposed to be. And they said, and man, it got better and better. And in a few weeks and months, we were just like in love with the church. And they were like, but we just weren't connecting with anybody. We wanted to be connected. So we started looking in the foyer and looking for different ways that we could get connected to. Shelly and I just kept looking at each other. And I was like, we got to stop. I remember sitting in a staff meeting with all these guys going, man, it doesn't matter if people like worship. It doesn't matter if people like me, my, if people like the way I preach or whatever. People are looking. They're desperate for connection, period. Without connection, we're just really lost. And that's what people want. And Shelly and I, we started talking about this. And I was like, man, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. I've, I've been focusing on, God, where, where do we go next? And what do we do next? And, and I've been focusing on the next word and, and, and having powerful services, powerful moments. But when people walk out of this place, they're, they're walking out solo. It's like we come in here and we build this powerful fort of Legos and then we tear it down and we send all the Legos out individually and nothing can be accomplished and there's no connecting we're just solo so we started praying we said man we've got to come up with a solution God how do we connect people how do we connect our people to one another so that no one's alone so that no one's out there no man is on an island And we just really just gave it to the Lord. And the solution started coming in. And it kind of came back to connection and connection groups and and having connection groups. And as soon as it started coming back to connection groups, I was like, oh, man, we've done that. We've tried that. It's got to be more. It's got to be more. So we started praying, and one night in the middle of the night, I woke up with this God epiphany. God just woke me up. And I won't tell you the whole vision because it's kind of scary. But the, the Holy Spirit just woke me up, and I saw uh, this couple in my mind, and the Lord started showing me things. And so I went to this couple, and we started talking. And I said, I want you to pray about something. And they said, we don't have to pray about it. God's already told us. Now, I would introduce you to this couple, and that was the plan this morning. This whole message was going to lead to this moment. But they had a nephew born five weeks early and uh, got admitted into NICU last night. And so they're not able to be here this morning. But a lot of you know Jason and Tori Cuevas, and uh, you've seen them, and these guys, not trying to uh, promote their business or whatever, but 
years ago, Shelly and I got in part, we, we became a part of uh, Advocare, if you've ever heard of Advocare. We still have it, we just don't do anything recently. <laughs> but uh, I would look different if we did, but years and years ago, I was at this meeting, and there's all these people, just tons and tons of people, and they're all giving these success stories. And then they're like, and we want to introduce you to the head of all these success stories. And they introduced us to Jason and Tori Cuevas. I didn't know them back then. I was like, oh, sweet, whatever. Well, fast forward a few years, they show up and they sit down on the front row and they loved our service. They started coming to church and just getting involved. And the Holy Spirit began to show me and I sat down with them, and, and the success that they have in the natural, financially, and, and through their business is because they're incredible team builders and networkers. They're unbelievable when it comes to networking and teaming. And, and they, they she'll, Tori can uh, decide she wants to have a girls' night, and she can that day post she wants to have a girls' night. She'll have 40 women show up at her house. That's just the kind of networkers they are. And so they are taking over uh, that part of our church, the connection part. Their job now in the church is going to be make sure that everyone gets connected somewhere to something. We need everyone to be connected. So we're starting connection groups, and they've already got several connection groups that are ready to go. We have a connection group that is for people that are 50-plus, because that is a need in our church, because we've, we've grown, and we've had those people come in, and we've not had anything to give and offer. So we have a connection group for that. We're having one for singles. We're having one for young marrieds. We're having one in this area, in Kingwood area, wherever, wherever we can. And all those little wherevers are really kind of dependent upon some of you. So there's a couple things I want to do before we close out this morning. One, I want you to think about it. And would you consider hosting one of our connection groups once a week? Maybe just inviting some people to your house, inviting your neighbors to your house. Maybe on a Sunday evening, maybe on a Wednesday evening, have everybody bring and drop their kids off here, uh, their youth, drop them off here, and, and you go and, and you host a connection group here, and, and you go and, and you host a connection group. And if that's, if that's the case, we want you to text host, and we'll, and we'll get back with you with some information and how you can be connected to that, but text the word host to 832-772-7375 and that will put you in a, in a bank so that we can and find out more details. You can ask us questions. In fact, if you text this number, it doesn't mean that you're committed. Uh, you can text this number just to find out some more information. Now, one of the other ways that this is going to help and that you can get connected, if everybody will pull out, if you have a smartphone, pull it out. I don't know if there's other phones that exist anymore um, outside of smartphones. But if you have a smartphone, you can go to your app. Uh, I think for Androids and stuff, it's like Google Play or whatever. I don't know. Uh, if you have an Apple, you can go to the App Store. And I want everybody to download our app. We're introducing it today for the first time. 
So we have the Exchange app, and you can search that. And I want you to get on and, and play with this. I've We've spent hours and hours and hours. TJ has worked tirelessly on this. I've spent at least 15 or 16 hours just sitting in my uh, bedroom on the computer just working on this and trying to connect and get things right. But on this, in this group, it has connection groups. And this is an area that you could join a connection group. Um, you can put in some of your information. You can pick a group that fits kind of maybe where you live, whether you have kids or not, kid-friendly or not. Um, in this app, you can go and you can uh, put in prayer requests. You can put in that you're new here. Uh, there's links to our Facebook. There's links to uh, our events. There's um, news. Uh, the news is basically like the bulletin. Um, so if you're, if you're wanting to know what's going on, what's happening, you can check that. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to give every opportunity we can to get you connected. Coming to church sometimes is just not enough. We need each other. We need to be connected. We need to be able to call each other. And, and that's the point of these groups. That's the point of this message is that we all become connected, that we know each other. When somebody's hurting, we want to know about it. Nothing breaks my heart more than when I'm at church and I see somebody and this has happened and I say, man, I've missed you the last couple weeks. And they say, oh, I was in the hospital for like eight days. How did I not know that? So we need each other. We need each other. We want to lift you up. We want to help you carry some of the burdens that you carry. And so I challenge you to pray. Write that number down, the 832-772-7375. Write it down. Go home. Talk about it. And say, you know, would we want to do this maybe for a semester? <laughs> we'll roll these out starting in, in, in January sometime. We'll be talking about them more over the next few weeks as, they, as we get closer to ending this year. We'll roll out these connection groups in January, uh, and we'll just go through this, this kind of first semester. We'll end uh, in early May. But we want you to be connected. Whatever that means, whatever we have to do. Um, if you look at that app, we have sports connection groups. We have one person who's going to do a women's fitness connection group here at the church called Uncharted Fitness. And I've seen her work out. And I'm not showing up for sure. Number one, it's for women. But number two, she knows how to work out. And I don't. But we want, you, we want you to be connected. So if you have another idea or another way that you think that uh, you could help with that, feel free to contact us as we want to know about it. Will you stand this morning? I was praying over this week, and I was praying for you. And that passage that I read earlier in Ephesians, it says, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The passage I read says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And I was thinking about that.
And I was thinking, my job as your pastor is to make sure that you have everything you need to be the most effective body member you can be. To make sure that you're the most connected, that, that you're the most empowered, that you have all the tools. And even in this, in this app, there's reading plans that you can download. There's Once you sign in and you create a profile, you can go and, and you can go into my journal and you can put in sermon notes and it follows all your sermon notes. And we were trying to think of everything that we could do to help equip you that when we walk out of this place that none of us walk out as just a brick. You know, that none of us walk out alone. That we walk out so connected that when we need something, we get on the phone, we get on and, and we, we write a post. We have a Dream Team Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook and you want to connect to our Dream Team page, it's a, a page that we created when we first started to plant the church and it kind of grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and it's where we post prayer requests and needs and we lift each other up and we pray and we want everybody to be connected to that because connection is important amen father i pray right now god over this this message god i pray over this connection god i pray that today as, as we think about it, and especially as we go home, that we see in, inside of ourselves this great 